I know that Willie is kind of methody in the way that he approaches lyrics. Is it true that he insisted on flying to Vermont to see Moonlight before he would record that? Yes, which was kind of crazy. I think this is one of the really high days because, you know, you can see the moon from any place. You don't really need to do that. He also wanted to get closer to the moon, which was like, how much are we really going to get out of that? But if you feel like it's going to make your you know, your heart sing, let's go ahead. And he wanted to walk up the stairs of a lighthouse and then see it. So it actually was labor intensive. And he would talk about listening to baseball on the radio for like, would seem like a year until we got to the top of the lighthouse. And then he was fascinated by it. We took some photos that didn't look like what we had seen. And then we walked back down and it actually worked. So I think it was worth it in the end. Oh, it is. It's a great vocal. I mean, was he referencing those photos as he sang in the studio? I, they didn't work like we thought they were going to work. You know, it, was, it just looks like everybody's pictures of the moon. <laughs> Willie didn't have any special photography skills. It just looked like where you're like, this is so beautiful. And then you look at it, and it looks like this weird misshapen uh, cheese or something. And this is back when you had to take photos in to get developed, too. So, like, you have no idea what you got until you get it back from the photo map. Yeah, it was grainy, for sure. <laughs> and yellow, because it was Fujifilm. So, that's how it went. You're listening to part two of a conversation between Craig Kakowski, an honorary highwayman, and Tamara Federici, producer of every band ever. Already in progress. This is sort of, this is a little bit of a tangent, but... It- because I want to know if you have the answer to this. We were both living in Chicago and I visited Willie at one of his shows in the House of Blues. It was the first time I had ever seen, even though I'd worked with him for a long time, it was the first time I had ever seen women actually throwing their bras on stage to him. And what he does is he just acknowledge, he just points to them, acknowledges it, like smiles at them and then like continues to play. He doesn't even miss a beat. He doesn't like pick them up. But I just have never, you know, I'd heard about that a lot, but I had never actually seen it. And two questions eternally confuse me. So I'm bringing it to you <laughs> to say, are those their real bras that they're taking off and throwing on stage? And if they're not, are, is the code, do you have to use your actual cup size to, to what you're throwing up on stage? Is it like, how does that all work? Do you have any insight into this? Because I I, I don't get it. Well, I, I love that you think that I would be an expert on this, first of all. I, I associate that with Tom Jones specifically of women throwing their underwear, but I guess it happens to any pop it's a star surprise. Uh, or, or any music. Except yeah. to him. He's, he seemed very comfortable with it. I think it's a mix. I think it's some women buy underwear specifically for the gigs so they don't lose any in their own collection. So you, you think some of them have it in their bags already, ready to go to toss? Yes. And they pick the song? Yeah, it's fully calculated. And I think others are so moved by the moment okay. that during the concert, they will remove and throw. See, this is why. Ah, because also I was, I've always been like, but then what did you do? You just lost your bra for like the rest of the day. What's your end game if you got so moved that you're throwing that up there? And that's also a weird show of affection to me. But then like, what do you do? You're walking around, but that's me. Maybe they're people that are like braless and... They are like, I want to thank you for this song. I'm throwing this at you. I don't think there's an end game. I think it's it's so in the moment. But, you know, when you see someone around town braless, chances are they're coming from a concert. Oh, that's a great point. I never thought of that. That explains a lot to me. 
I knew that you would know. I don't know that I I know. I'm just putting out a hypothesis. But it was a genuine question, the mechanics of how that works. And I guess I could have asked Willie, but I just felt like that was, that's not a, that's not a question you ask your employer if you can help it, I feel like. Right. Uh, are there any other standards that you wish that he would have done or that you feel like he could have done that were missing on this album for you? Was this like a complete album or are there stragglers? Well, he doesn't do I'm a Little Teapot. Do you know who did do that, though? I tried to do a covers album like we'd done with Willie because it was successful with Pink Floyd. That is a mess. Pink Floyd did I'm a Little Teapot? Yes. It was just literally. How long was it? It was about 30 minutes, and the only words in it were short and stout. And they just kept saying it like every couple of minutes, like short and stout. It was sort of a haunting <laughs> of a of a children's song. And then they had a giant inflatable teapot that had real tea in it. They had a little cylinder in there. But that was again, I think drugs played a role in that in retrospect. Yeah, that sounds like it was around the same time of set the controls for the heart of the sun. <sighs> careful with that axe, Eugene, like that era. Yeah. Careful with that axe, Eugene. Careful with that teapot, jerks. Um, what else would you, what else would you like to talk about? Well, I also love one of my favorite tracks is all of me, his version of all of me. And I think it's a great, I remember that, uh, a friend of mine in college that we would waltz together to that song. Oh, no way. I don't even know if it's in three, four. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. uh, it must be, we were like, we would dance around the room to it. I was just curious if Willie liked the movie, all of me. He loved the movie. He loved the whole thing. I mean, I know his his version predates the Steve Martin, Lily Tomlin movie. I wish but. they would have used that version of that, uh, of his, for that. I think it actually would have been appropriate for them. But um, he loved it. I mean, he loves Lily Tomlin. <laughs> he loves Steve Martin. He was an amateur prop comic for about a week. He did two shows. I did yeah, not know in that. Texas. And the thing was, it was stuff where he really hadn't thought it out. He thought prop comic was you just bring up props that you haven't figured out a joke for. So he would just bring up a Kleenex box and be like, Kleenex box. There's not really a joke. No, there wasn't. The other thing was the first time he went up on stage, it was just boxes. So then it would be shoe box and then cardboard box. So it was this weird thing that we became kind of Dada by accident because it was like so so missed the joke that it almost was the joke of like the box guy, but it wasn't quite. So it was just uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, say what you will about Carrot Top, but at least he has setups and punchlines. Yeah, it puts Carrot Top in a whole different category <laughs> that he's actually fashioned the props. I never thought that that was the great part, <laughs> the special part <clears throat> about Carrot Top, but it turns out there is a little bit of craft between cardboard box you know, other type of box, other type of box. I mean, clearly Carrot Top cannot do what Willie does, but Willie cannot do what Carrot Top does <laughs> either. And sometimes it's good to know what your lane is. The only other thing I wanted to uh, to mention was 2023, here we are, Willie just turned 90 and he just got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is Willie rock and roll? I mean, Willie is definitely rock and roll, but that award was actually a lot of pressure on him. He wants to go more rock and roll right now after this, you know, this country album, this country covers album. That's what Dolly did, right? She she felt like she couldn't get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame until she recorded a rock yeah. album. They inducted now her, but now she's rock put album. out a rock yeah, album. He's, is he going to do something well, similar? Yesterday he said, um, I want to do a hurt thing, which means that's, 
that song Hurt that Johnny Cash did a long time ago where he was covering the Nine Inch Nails thing. He wants sure. to do something like that. He wanted me to go through the Nine Inch Nails catalog again. And I just felt like that's not the way you can do it. And so Willie's not going to do Head Like a Hole or uh, or March I don't think pigs? so. I think that's too close. Like, head like he would do a great Head Like a Hole. Uh, but I feel like we've got to go in different territory. I, and I, and he's just doing the rock thing right now because he's a little, you know, colleague jealous of Hurt because that was Johnny Cash's big, you know, big new hit for his younger viewers. And because Willie did that, I'm doing a hit. I'm going to have younger viewers. They're going to think I wrote it. So it's sort of, I, I mean, so we're struggling with what is going to be his you know, rock song. I, you know what he would do a great version of is I want to dance with somebody, I think. I mean, he can cover the phone book. He can cover Whitney. He can cover Andy. Yeah, do you think we should just do numbers? Maybe that's it. You must have those phone book tracks in there somewhere. Yeah. I would add the addresses oh and numbers. God, what if we just we just do it by area codes and it's called like 773. And so you have all the, that's that. We could do like 10 albums that way. Oh, there's so many so more numbers. So many more now. numbers now. I guess the question is, would Trigger agree to play on that phone book album? Well, only Trigger can tell you that. I mean, that's frustrating for me, but perhaps there's a new Trigger in town, is all I'm saying. Like, I would hope Trigger would agree. I mean, Willie's the one who's supposed to be in charge, but it's all Trigger sometimes, which is ridiculous. <laughs> uh I think, do you, would you go see him in Vegas if he did Vegas? I, w I would love to see Willie in Vegas, yeah. If he was doing the numbers, would you show up or would you just show up if he was doing the older stuff? I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to hear at least some numbers from Stardust, I think. I, I wouldn't want to pay $200 for a Vegas ticket only to find out that he's singing the phone book. I mean, I guess that is a new material and that's people don't know it yet. I mean, they know it because they know the number two, the number four, they know these numbers. That's always the risk. Where do you slip in the new material? Right. Yeah. Maybe at the open. But that that's where everyone knows to take a bathroom break of like, I don't know this song. Yeah. <laughs> I know the number four, but I'm not sure about this. As a future 90-year-old, perhaps, what do you see for yourself at 90? Oh, man. I, ha I hope I make it that long. My life's work, of course, you know, being, a, uh, being an improviser, I hope that at 90 I'm playing the hits like doing transcriptions of old improv shows that I did in my twenties and thirties. And, uh, and I'd read all the parts and I think there'd be uh, I think there'd be an audience for that. I think you might be right. That'll be the good. I mean, we still, <laughs> I love the 2000 year old man. I'll watch that any day of the week. And, but I would also, I feel like the future is going to be exciting for humans to be performing their own improvised material that hasn't been written for them. And then also it was great then. Why, why think of new stuff? Sure. It worked in 1995 and I think I'd yeah perform it devoid yep. of context or I think that's a great way to go. It's like a time, it's like a live time capsule. I think I'd also be tired and not that mobile. So I'd probably be sitting the, uh, Oh, that's a great show. way to get applause. If you come in with a wheelchair, that's a strong start. If I had hands, I would clap. Guest Craig Kakowski is an actor and improviser based in Los Angeles. People usually recognize him from Drunk History, Community, Veep, or dozens of projects he was not in. You can also hear him on Season 1 talking about Tom Waits and Liz Fair. Tamara Federici once hit the gong at the end of the Muppet Show open when Gonzo was sick. Every band ever is, 
editor and producer, Will Velasquez Audio Engineer, Clark Jackson Publicity, Will Briley Coordinator, Mary Lear Special Projects, Jonah Katz. Artwork by Simon Morris Winheld For more info, visit our link tree at every band ever on Instagram. Au revoir Pee Wee. Au revoir Simone.